The following program deals with military and veteran issues. All comments and opinions expressed on this show are those who made them. They do not reflect the opinions of the Church of Satan or Radio Free Satan. So on with the show. Welcome to the official Infernal Legion podcast. I'm your host, Reverend Jeff Bolin, commander of the Infernal Legion, and this is a Sinister Scuttlebutt episode for the month of December, which means it is the final episode for year 58, Anno Satanus. And joining me as always is my lovable and furry co-host who looks like Santa Claus right now, the VSO of the Infernal Legion, Reverend Dwayne Burns. Dwayne, how the hell are you, brother? I'm furry. <laughs> You are a furry. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't know. Oh, yeah. How's, your, how's recovery? How's your shoulder going, man? It hurts like hell. I finally got it out of the arm brace, splint, whatever the hell they they had it in. And it pisses me off after wearing it for two months. I found out it, it has a pillow thing on it that holds your arm away from your body or gives a place to you know, lay your arm or whatever. Probably yeah. figured I could remove that son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> After two months, figured out I could remove that son of a bitch. I haven't been to my bed in three weeks, probably, because I've been sleeping in this fucking recliner. Yeah. It hurts. You still doing <laughs> physical therapy, though? I haven't even started it yet. I don't start it until I don't start it until I think the 18th of this month. So meanwhile, you're just sitting in your recliner suffering. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> and of course, we got third chair with us today, as has become the norm around here. We actually have third and fourth chair, as has become the norm around here. First up, let me introduce the vice commander of the Infernal <sighs> Legion, Warlock Rick Colmeyer himself. Rick, how the hell are you, brother? I am traumatized after imagining Dwayne as a furry. <laughs> Other than that, alive and kicking. And in fourth chair, we got the man, the myth, the legend himself, the director of special activities for the Infernal Legion, and the co-founder of the Infernal Legion, Satanist Raul Atondo, is in the house. Raul, how are you, brother? <laughs> I'm all right. I'm all right. I, I feel, man, I don't feel like I deserve all those titles, but I really appreciate it. Holy shit. <laughs> it's just words, man. <laughs> Yeah, they were just words, right? You seem uh, you seem it. zen today, like you're you're just chilled out in your in your space yeah. in your zone. Well, I've upgraded from your normal joint to I now use a vaporizer. Oh, so I use like oil. Don't say, don't say joint, Rick. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I'm pretty happy. I do stand up tonight over at Crazy Earls, and That's then right, yeah. yeah, and then every Wednesday we perform. I perform. Some of the other comedians perform. And then uh, December 31st will be Chuckles and Tacos, a New Year's Eve comedy taco dinner show. Yes, and that's right. We uh, posted that flyer all over the Infernal Legion yes, social did. media, so I make really sure you check that out. Muchas gracias, Señor Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, it's a big month. December is always a big month. There's all kinds of shit going on. So first and foremost, let's uh, let's get some of these shout outs out of the way. First of all, happy birthday to the National Guard, the National Guard. <laughs> Uh, traces its lineage back to 1636 and the original colonial militias. And it's the alma mater of our very own Dwayne Burns. So uh, happy birthday to the National Guard. Also, are you ready, Dwayne, to say it with me? <laughs> happy birthday to the United States Space Force! Space Force! <laughs> Our little toddler just turned four years old this year. Oh. And of course, what would a birthday shout-out be without mentioning our, our very own vice commander here? Warlock Rick Colmeyer. Happy birthday, brother. How was everything? Eh, it was a day. Went out to uh, dinner with family, and other than that, just another day. You know, at my age, you just kind of quit worrying about it. <laughs> Looked like you had fun with your daughter, though. I saw some of those pictures all over Facebook. Yeah, we were at Wild Mike's eating wings. Very cool. My favorite meal. And the best wings course. in Cincinnati. <laughs> Shout out. Shout what, out. What, what were they called again? Wild Mike's. <laughs> Wild Mike's in Cincinnati. Best wings in Cincinnati. Hell yes. I know it's kind of like saying it's at the top of the shit heap, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> and also, of course, December, uh, we had uh, the beginning of Saturnalia. We have uh, the beginning of Yule, I think, was actually yesterday. And this is all time of recording. 
Uh, winter solstice is tomorrow. We mm-hmm. got Christmas coming up on Monday. The whole winter shenanigans are happening. Do you guys have any special plans for uh, for celebrating the rebirth of the sun? I do not. Just getting no. through it and getting the fuck out of this holiday season. <laughs> yeah, man. You and me both. I hate this time of year so much. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not pissing on anybody else's parade. I just after Halloween, I hate it. Till after the new year. Just a solid drag after Halloween. <laughs> just too much bullshit, too much commercialism. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. What about you, I feel the same way as these gentlemen do. I'm ready to put it all behind me because I don't care for the season either. Well, apparently I'm the only one celebrating giant bonfires. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I'm talking about the season. I know, yeah, I was going to say, well, the, the solstice and everything else, cool. The, all the bullshit I have to see on TV, all the shopping, the perfume ads, get this, buy that. It's like mm-hmm. we it starts in July and it doesn't fucking end until after December 31st. It's ridiculous. So it's like you guys listening to us out there not that are listening to this podcast. But Raul, you guys are living in the moment. And why do you guys want to get past past the, the celebrations? Aren't you guys supposed to be Satanists? Aren't you guys supposed to celebrate Earth and life and everything? Why do you want to get past Christmas so fast? Shouldn't you be thinking about the now rather than over there? Yes, but with the principle of undefiled wisdom, everything that gets around the Christmas area and the holidays, it gets commercialized. So not only are you buying something yesterday, but you're trying to sell you more 10 of them, 30 of them tomorrow. Oh, did you get this Black Friday? So then it's like, sell, buy all this stuff. By Cyber Saturday. Cyber Small Saturday. business Monday. <laughs> Small business Monday. It never Monday. ends. It never ends. <laughs> well, like you know, it, if you do want to get some high quality gifts. Tomorrow's celebration. Everything else is bullshit. If you, if you do want to get some, uh, some high quality gifts, make sure to check out. This episode is brought to you by the Warlock Emporium. The Warlock Emporium is creating bespoke items for the chosen few. The Warlock Emporium is the only authorized seller of items bearing the Warlock Sigil, created by Magister Dr. Robert Johnson, author of The Satanic Warlock. The Warlock Emporium is now offering a 15% military discount. Visit thewarlockemporium.com for more information. All right, gents. We have a lot to talk about today. And yes, everyone listening saw our, our post on all the social media stuff. We will be discussing the TST statue down in Iowa, but we're going to do that at the end of the episode. For now, I have to start things on a sour note. The Department of Veterans Affairs released their 2023 study a couple days ago, and veteran suicides are up. They're now sitting right around, I think it's 27, 28 a day. So I always end these episodes at the after the, the outro music. You always hear the thing about calling 988 and pressing 1. If you're in crisis, but I want to reiterate that right now at the top of the show and say, if you are experiencing a crisis, call 988 and press one when prompted or call any of us or call any of the brothers and sisters you served with. This time of year, as we were discussing, is uh, is a bleak time for many people. It, it has historically the highest number of suicides out of any other point in the year. And that goes double for veterans. So, again, yeah. if you're experiencing a crisis, do not hesitate to reach out for help. It ain't fucking worth it. And as somebody who is uh, who still actively uses the psychiatric services with the VA, don't be fucking ashamed. Don't, don't think less of yourself. Don't think you're weak. We all need help sometimes. That's right. Oh, let's bring it back up. Let's bring it back up. It's the last no, yeah. podcast of the of the year. Let's bring it back up. Let's start with this interesting story from Military.com. Hundreds of military promotions approved by Senate just hours after Tuberville releases his hold. More than 400 senior military officers were promoted Tuesday following months of delay after Senator Tommy Tuberville, Republican from Alabama, ended his blockade on military confirmations without winning any change to the Pentagon abortion policy he was protesting. Yes, you heard that first paragraph correct. <laughs> Tuberville announced Tuesday afternoon that he was dropping his procedural hold on military confirmations on all but those nominated to be four-star generals and admirals. Hours later, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Democrat from New York, went to the Senate floor to confirm the unblocked officers. I hope no one does this again, Schumer said, and I hope they learned the lesson Senator Tuberville did. And that is, he held out for many, many months, hurt our national security, caused discombobulation, to so many military families who have been so dedicated to our country and didn't get anything that he wanted. Quick side note, has 
has anyone in history ever used the word discombobulated? I was just going to ask you that. That's the word that stuck in my head. That's a pretty, that's a pretty big word for Chuck Schumer. Besides thinking of the other, besides thinking of the other story about the Senate floor, but we'll leave that one alone. <laughs> While Tuberville's new position still leaves at least 12 officers in limbo, the vast majority of the officers whose promotions had stalled because of him were able to move forward. We didn't get the win that we wanted, Tuberville acknowledged as he announced he was largely backing down. We've still got a bad policy. We tried to stand up for the taxpayers of this country. In late February, Tuberville announced that he was placing what's known as a hold on all general and flag officer nominees in an effort to pressure the Pentagon to reverse its policy of covering travel and leave for service members who seek abortions. While a hold cannot prevent the Senate from confirming nominees, it requires the chamber to take individual roll call votes on each nominee rather than quickly confirming them in batches in a voice vote as it typically does for non-controversial military promotions effectively grinding the military promotions process to a halt. Yeah, I don't think that people understand. Once military promotion, especially amongst officers, has to be confirmed by the Senate, we're talking all the branches, including the Coast Guard, and we're talking about thousands upon thousands of people at a time who are all being promoted. So this is, uh, you know, a second lieutenant going to a first lieutenant. This is a captain going to a major a major going to lieutenant colonel, so on and so forth. And that's just the Army and Marine Corps ranks, which by themselves are thousands of people. And you have the Air Force ranks and the Navy ranks and the Space Force. And they're promoting all kinds of new people right now over there because they're still a baby force. So we're, I, I think it is accurate to say that this was effectively grinding the military promotions process to a halt. He refused to relent despite arguments from Democrats, some Republicans, Pentagon officials, and military families that he was harming national security and punishing military families for a policy they had no control over. But as it became increasingly clear that enough of his Republic Senate colleagues would allow a Democrat effort to circumvent him to succeed, Tuberville reversed course. His new stance will allow one, two, and three-star generals and admirals to be promoted under the fast-track Senate procedures typically used for military nominees. He said he is keeping the hold on four-stars because they, quote, need to be vetted just like everybody else. And I don't... I, don't like the reasoning that he's doing these things, but I agree with that. Nobody should be getting pinning on a fourth star unless they've been fully vetted. Nobody should be pinning on one star. True. That's no, that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> well, once you the get the stars, it's nothing but politics well, anyway. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It just sounds like uh, he found a different way, an easier way to employ to employ the filibuster. Essentially, yeah, kind of. I'm not fully versed on uh, on Congress's uh, parliamentary procedure. But that's basically what it sounds like. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, when you come up and when you come out and take out time that that's supposed to be the people's time and you're, you're, uh, reading green eggs and ham. (laughs) Well, the filibuster is just another way for them to get a break and get a little vacation. Not when you got a guy standing there who's going to pass the fuck out because he's been standing there for three days. (laughs) Because when you, when you do that stuff, there's certain parts. Certain parliamentary rules, uh, you know, you, well, you can't the trick stop is, talking. The trick you, is to do this, to do it right. You do want everyone to take a vacation. If if I'm a Democrat and Rick's a Republican and I just keep talking until Rick leaves the room, then I can call for a vote and Rick's not there to vote <laughs> so, in theory. But you know, we all see how it plays out in real time. So I think you guys all kind of get the gist of this article. and And it brings up a couple of points that I wanted to kind of talk about real quick. One, a single senator holding up this much of a, of a promotional process for a, essentially an ulterior motive. Something feels broken there, and in, in not, not necessarily in our political system. I think everyone agrees their political system is broken, but in the military system. I, I understand that the military is, has to have civilian oversight in our country, and I agree with that principle, but it feels kind of broken that they were so beholden on on individual politicians whims to figure out who the commanding officer of this division is going to be or who the admiral of this fleet is going to be i don't know what do you guys think is there a way we could streamline this process the same thing we say all the time cut out the pork (laughs) yeah you always got to have a fair amount of pork there to get anything done though well, that's the problem. Is, you know, <laughs> the flavor the people, comes from fat. <laughs> you know, we, the people, especially our military, they don't know what the pork is, and they're attached to. Every, they're, 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 we're always attached to some other document, or there's always something, some other ulterior motive hidden behind a supposed military. I, uh, 
bill. Uh, yeah, military bill is sitting out there on the floor. You know, it can never just be about the military. Right. Yeah. And obviously this affects officers more than it does enlisted men. And we were all enlisted men, but we're affected by our officers. And that's something we'll talk about at the end of the show as well. <laughs> oh, don't worry. You make it to E7 and beyond, you're promoted just like officers are. You still need certain uh, input from government and whatnot. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, so chiefs and above in the Navy. I mean, uh, yeah, E7 and E7 above. And so that's above. all congressional. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there, there's still that. And I don't know, maybe I'm thinking too hard about it because a lot of these guys – and gals who are depending on new stars and birds and all the assorted lucky charms that come in rank are inevitably going to retire. And many of them are going to spend this off to a career in politics and they're going to be sitting right where this senator is sitting and doing the same thing. So maybe I'm just thinking too much about it. It, 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 It's a hard one for us to discuss. I mean, because we could be sitting here for days discussing this because, you know, with, with, with the topic and with the 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 core of the topic, you know, like you said, being officers and you know each seventh above, and stuff, it's all political. Yeah, there's a lot of jockeying that goes on to get those positions for sure. You know, it's all about who you blow. <laughs> what do you think, Ro? <clears throat> well, you know, you guys are fucking wiser about this shit than I. I I just got out as a specialist. You guys got out as fucking sorry majors and shit. So, uh, just relax. Get it. Relax. 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 Um, Sergeant Major. So, so go back to civilian oversight of the military. It's enshrined in the Constitution. It is. It is part of foundational ideals of this country. And like I said, it's something I agree with because you don't want the military having unfettered power without civilians being in place to check that power. That's how you end up with things like military dictatorships and martial law, <laughs> things of that nature. Not that it can't happen without that. But the, the thing being is, it's like even with the civilian oversight and our government, and I'll go back to when I was in the military, and, you know, everybody liked to brag that Bill Clinton had given the military the biggest pay raise that they had ever seen, and I, I don't even recall how long. But what did it cost us in the military? How many bases were closed and everything else? We are always bargaining chips. Our bases are always bargaining chips. You know, the civilians that we hire to oversee us can screw us just as quickly and easily. Right. And it's not lost on me. And I and I mentioned this a little bit ago that many of the people who are in these positions where they could, where they do use us as bargaining chips are former military. My my point is that officers, as we said, officers and higher enlisted, it's all political. And they're jockeying for position. They're almost all jockeying for position after they retire because they're at that point in their career. And those positions many, many times include politics. One would think that someone who served in the military and had to deal with all these headaches that come from the top down would, I don't know, act different when they get to that top level. The problem being is, is once you reach that level, you are of a complete different mentality in a complete different process. I mean, it's like the deeper you get into it and the more the lobbyists and the other groups get into you, you get sucked more into that black hole of politics. Right. Now that's a good point. This episode is brought to you by Duffel Blog. Read in the Pentagon and around the world, since 2012, Duffel Blog has been the most trusted news source for the American military. Duffel Blog is the first and only satire newsletter devoted to the United States military community. Visit duffelblog.com for more information. All right, gents, enlightening conversation, as always. We're going to change things up because we do have a couple big topics to close this show out with. So right now, I'm going to take a quick break, and I'm going to turn things over to Magister Adam Campbell for Episode 5 of The Tower. Stay tuned right here on the official Infernal Legion podcast. Why start your mornings early when you can sleep in late and wake up later to a freshly brewed cup of Radio Free Satan? Radio Free Satan is infernally roasted with a complex taste to suit your indulgence. It's sinful. That's why it tastes great. So pour yourself another helping of this podcast and others at RadioFreeSatan.com.
Blaze! Listen up, soldiers. While we're out here, you will be taking all commands from the tower. And I am the tower! Do you understand? Yes, Sergeant! Welcome to the tower, your dose of military news delivered with an infernal edge. My name is Magister Campbell, and today we're discussing recruitment and retention of military spouses. Congress, Biden administration, look for ways to boost federal recruitment and retention of military spouses. This is from federalnewsnetwork.com by Drew Friedman, posted November 24, 2023. House lawmakers are looking to offer a little more help to military spouses who may be struggling to keep their jobs. Representatives Don Bacon, Republican of Nebraska, and Jasmine Crockett, Democrat of Texas, introduced the Readiness Act on November 21st. If enacted, the bill would provide more job flexibility to the spouses of both active duty military members and foreign service officers. The bipartisan legislation presents several options to military spouses working in government. Upon a military relocation, they would be able to seek an individual determination from their employment agency about whether they can temporarily work remotely, be relocated to an area within commuting distance, or be transferred to a comparable job at another agency. The goal is to support military spouses who often struggle to stay employed amid the highly transient lifestyle of military families. The employment challenges have compounding effects on entire military families. Over a third of former military families said difficulties with spousal employment contributed to their decision to leave the force. Currently, 21% of active-duty military spouses are unemployed and 92% of military spouses are women, according to the Labor Department. Quote, without increased flexibility for working military spouses during periods of a service member's redeployment or transfer, military families are being forced to choose between military service and financial stability for their families. And that isn't a choice we should be asking our service members to make, Crockett said in a press release Wednesday. The Readiness Act does not have a Senate companion bill. A Hill staffer told Federal News Network the team is working to identify Senate partners, but there is not yet a firm timeline. But the new bill is not the only effort to try to boost federal employment opportunities for military spouses. Earlier this month, the Office of Personnel Management told agencies to ramp up their use of already existing flexibilities to help military spouses too. Existing telework and remote work options, for instance, can be crucial for recruitment and retention of military spouses. Quote, federal agencies have long recognized the benefits afforded by telework and remote work for organizations and the workforce, OPM said in a November 9 memo. Remote work can help organizations recruit new employees with hard-to-find skill sets or retain current employees who move due to spouse relocation or other life events. Some military spouses and foreign service officers are also part of the Domestic Employees Teleworking Overseas, DETO, program, which offers remote federal job options to military and foreign service families that get relocated outside the U.S. In addition to remote work and telework, OPM says agencies should make sure they offer five days of administrative leave to military spouses working for the government whose families get transferred overseas. Federal employees also have access to many other types of flexibilities, such as annual leave, sick leave, donated leave from the Voluntary Leave Transfer Program, and alternative work schedules. Quote, in addition to these policies, agencies should adopt policies that promote the use of additional workplace flexibilities that will further assist military spouses, OPM said in the memo. OPM added that agencies should use an existing flexibility that lets them reassign employees to help retain employees. Quote, agencies are encouraged to develop agency-specific policies to increase retention of military spouses and military caregivers in federal careers who may experience personal challenges that may be accommodated through a workspace flexibility, OPM said. For example... Agencies can arrange a compassionate transfer for an employee to move from one agency or federal job to another. This would be especially beneficial to employees who are subject to relocation or participate in geographic rotational assignments, OPM said. OPM noted that the challenges aren't limited in scope only to current active-duty military spouses either. Reserve and National Guard spouses must also balance their careers against the unpredictable nature of the service member's schedule, activations, and deployments, OPM said. These challenges can continue to affect the population's employability and career trajectory after a service member leaves the service. 
The guidance from OPM came several months after Biden administration tasked the agency with improving the retention of military spouses government-wide. In an executive order in June, President Biden called on agencies to develop a strategic plan for hiring and retaining military spouses. Part of that executive order told agencies to figure out ways to better market federal jobs to military spouses to help them stay employed after a deployment. OPM and the Office of Management and Budget, in coordination with the Departments of State, Defense, Labor, Veterans Affairs, and Homeland Security, also plan to issue a strategic plan by the end of the calendar year. The plan should offer strategies and solutions for improving hiring and retention of military and veteran spouses and military caregivers and survivors. All right, so this seems completely misplaced in my mind. I like that they are looking at options of assisting families and the spouses of military service members in maintaining their professions whenever they are deployed or re completely you know, moved into a different country or area. That makes sense that they're trying to help. But, but, it seems to be looking for a solution outside of the problem. <laughs> Aside from just professionals in the civilian world who want to maintain their professions, of course, you will always have them as military spouses, and of course, they should be able to work wherever the hell they want and do whatever the hell they're qualified to do. But if you just paid the military service member enough that the spouses didn't have to work and thus padded the blow between moves or restations or changes in lifestyle then this would be less of a problem. And it wouldn't be something that you would have to search for a solution for because the individual families would be making that solution decision themselves. You have to pay service members enough. It's that simple. Why not? This is the most ridiculous notion, as if different companies have some requirement to hire someone knowing that they may be relocated again in a couple of years. Even federal uh, jobs, they have to think about time retention. How long is this person going to be able to stay here? And if their spouse, you know, they have to make these decisions. If their spouse is someone in, in an MOS or in a particular job that is more um, deployed than other types, then they're probably, or they're in a specific unit that's deployed more often, then they're probably going to be less likely to hire that spouse. One of the biggest problems I had, well, my family had, when I was stationed over in Germany was that my wife could not find a damn job. There were so many brand new soldiers' wives and existing soldiers' wives in the area that to try to find a job in the federal government or outside of it was nigh impossible because there were so many applicants. And I was in an MP unit, which did get transferred overseas uh, to different locations from Germany, and then the, the ludicrous idea that five days, first of all, it's not even a mandatory five days. It's a suggested five days extra leave uh, for people who are being transitioned overseas. To think that five days is enough for you to pack, ship, move, unpack, and get back to work is ridiculous. It's absurd. It's the most stupid idea ever. You need at least two weeks because the military member is not going to be able to be there helping you. I was always rushed from unit to unit and my wife had to take care of everything. She was my support base in the family. She had to take care of everything herself and I didn't have a choice because I was going from a CAV unit to an MP unit and they're both pretty hardcore, requiring you to be on the job all the time and just ready. I mean, they expected me to have my patch, my brand new unit patch, on my shoulder the day I arrived. <laughs> like, as a private, uh, I was a PFC at the time, uh, like, I had no idea what the unit patch was, and I guess I should have looked it up and I should have ordered it when I was uh, in stationed in Kentucky, but that's just the mentality. You're always a couple steps behind, and then you it's a hurry up and wait is the phrase. But then you have to stand around forever because that's the way the military works. They don't let you sit around it on your resting on your laurels, waiting for a, a civilian moving company to get their asses into gear and ship your stuff. And the company that your spouse is working for, why would they ever? optionally give her five extra days off when she may never come back to work in the first place. They're just paying her for five days for no reason in that case. 
You know, it's not the civilian or the federal government job's fault. Now, they should know if they're hiring spouses of soldiers that, yes, this is a possibility, and that's why you have to have an open dialogue with your employer. But let's be honest, you can't expect any company to bend over backwards in unrealistic situations. I was stationed in Kentucky for eight months, and then I was moved over to Germany for three years. If I stayed in, they wanted to move me over to Korea for a couple years, and then they wanted to move me back to the States for whoever knows how long. And the point is, you're constantly, you don't know if you're going to be there six months or three years. It's always in flux. And to expect any type of not just business owner to put up with that type of um, erratic uh, um, service to their job. And, and this is just talking about like shit jobs. What if it's a career? What if you're a lawyer or a doctor? Good luck. Like there's just no possible way. Now, yes, this is something that spouses have to think about when their spouse becomes a soldier. You have to have the conversation because you know that you're going to have difficulty finding a job because you know you're not going to be stationed in one place for very long. That's the reality of it. So pay the service member enough that it doesn't have to be a financial situation to get out of the military like this executive order and this article is pretending is the real reason why people are leaving. It's unbelievable to me. I mean, how about the fact that we had this resurge of um, recruitment after um, uh, the Twin Towers fell? And of course, that surge kept going because we kept the War of Terror going. And as long as we had this massive insurge of people, we didn't really have to think about it. But now that that's slowed down, now that we're all looking at all these ridiculous conflicts we're being involved in that we don't want anything to do with, why would anyone want to serve? And so you have to think of ways to make them serve. Pay them. Pay them more. Pay them a lot more. Two or three times what they're making. I don't care if it equates to more than um, a, a commander is uh, being paid right now. A, a captain of a, a unit is being paid right now for your private first class. Pay them that. And here's what drives me crazy. You have the money. We put so much money into the DOD. The money exists that you could pay them a significant amount. You choose not to and instead filter it or funnel it over to military contractors or to an industrial military complex to build machines that the military doesn't even want in the first place. It's a complete ridiculous allocation of funds that exist, that could be going to families, that alleviates this entire article's problem, and the reason for the executive order from President Biden in the first goddamn place. But are they going to do anything about it? No, because they don't actually care about the citizens all, or the soldiers. All they care about is saving face when it comes to voting. It's aggravating. What they need to do is find a multifaceted approach to accommodate all families, providing a minimum amount of pay so that the soldiers can then ease the burden off their spouses while they're in that transitional moment of finding a new job. That would alleviate all problems and allow the government to reimburse companies and allow the companies to apply for reimbursement for those employees that they lose because of deployments. A bunch of different options will solve the problem. It doesn't have to be a one-problem solution. Let's look into that. All right, soldiers, that's all I have for you today. Company, I can hoop. Hold out. Well, man, it is now official. The Shit Kicking Road Show, the finest in rockabilly, psychobilly, vintage country, swamp rock, surf rock, doo-wop, this potpourri of madness. The Shit Kicking Road Show, radio free, goddamn Satan, I'm Clint Mopesto, coming at you from the Double Cross Ranch. Booze in one hand, microphone on the other, swamp thing on the telly, and the good tunes in front of me here at the computer. The Shit Kicking Road Show, radio free, Satan. Damn! You will excuse me, won't you? Well, thank you very much. Welcome back to the official Infernal Legion podcast. And as always, thank you to Magister Adam Campbell for that enlightening segment. And I got to say, guys, I agree with what he said. It, it would not be difficult to just pay service members 
a little bit more so there was less stress on their families during all these times. And that actually brings me to an article that I saw recently that I feel ties in with that nicely. Uh, This is from the Army Times. Military families will see a boost in separation pay in 2024. Service members forced to live apart from their families because of military responsibilities could see a significant boost in their monthly separation pay stipends next year, thanks to changes included in the annual defense authorization bill passed by Congress last week. The legislation, expected to be signed into law later this month, allows military leaders to boost the family separation allowance from $250 a month to $400, the first such increase for the stipend in two decades. Representative Tony Gonzalez, Republican from Texas and a Navy veteran, was who was one of the sponsors of the provision, called the adjustment much-needed relief for families dealing with extra expenses caused by the separate living arrangements. Under Defense Department rules, sailors who are on duty away from their home port for more than 30 continuous days are eligible for the payouts, as are troops on temporary duty away from their permanent duty station for more than 30 days. However, troops who voluntarily choose to serve in an unaccompanied tour of duty are not eligible for the extra payouts. For junior enlisted service members with dependents, the extra stipend can be a much-needed boost to family finances. An E-2 with two years in service makes about $2,150 a month. An E-4 with four years service collects just under 3000 The authorization bill also requires a full review of the stipend as part of the Defense Department's quadrennial review of military compensation to ensure the payouts are adequately covering the needs of military families. Lawmakers also included in the legislation language to study whether junior enlisted pay and military housing stipends are large enough to ensure military families are in good financial health. The bill also provides for a 5.2% increase in military base pay in 2024, the largest annual boost in 22 years. President Joe Biden has voiced support for the authorization bill, but White House officials have not said when the measure will be officially signed into law. All right. So, Dwayne, this is one of your areas of expertise, the various extra pay that military and veterans can receive. How much of an impact will this make, especially on junior enlisted, if they're getting essentially an extra what is it? One hundred fifty dollars. One hundred fifty dollars a month. Yeah. Uh, most enlisted will tell you keep it. I want to see my family, but uh, it it can make quite a difference. I noticed that this does not apply to well, like they said, people who volunteer. It also doesn't seem to apply to like hardship tours, like Korea, because Korea would be considered a yeah, duty station. I noticed that. Well, little do you know, though, people that live in Korea or stationed in Korea, their family are sitting in Hawaii. Yeah. Some of them are sitting in Korea. They're just not on the military dime. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if they're sitting in Korea or not. I didn't know they were allowed over there. When I was there, they weren't allowed. They had to, they had to sit in Hawaii, which wasn't a real bad deal. <laughs> well, Rick, you're the Navy guy on the panel. I know you didn't do a... a any time on a ship, but I'm sure you worked with many sailors who spent 10 months or more away from them, from their families. Mm-hmm. Would that extra money make any difference to them? Or is it just kind of a, a nod and a handshake? It's to me, it'd be a nod and a handshake. You know, I'm, I'm with Dwayne that most of the sailors would be like, no, I, I'm going to stay with my family, you right. know, especially, you know, with a lot of the stuff we have going on now, you know, oh, even then, I mean, they were looking at like 12 months deployments, you know, so well, they did. They'd be like, give me five, six hundred dollars a month and we'll talk. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's right. I like that. 150 bucks is a fucking carton of cigarettes. I mean, right. and it's not, it's not doing anything I noticed to address the issues that, uh, Magister Campbell was just talking about. I mean, you toss a PFC an extra $150 a month. That's not going to be enough for, that's not going to make up for spouse's income. And the spouse is still going to have all the same difficulties finding a job near a post where she might be, maybe even more so if she's only relying on the FRG because the unit is deployed away for TDY or something like that. It doesn't it doesn't apply for everybody, but uh, most PFCs aren't really married. Uh, you, most most of your married people are your E4, E5 and above that are out there. And again, that $150 extra just ain't going to mean a lot to them. To that, to that, uh, PFC, maybe it would, but again, they're, they're, they're usually not married and they're, they're barracks bound anyway. If you gave 150 bucks to an E1, it's going to the strip club right outside the base. I was right. going to say, give right. 150 bucks to a PFC, he's going to meet his second ex-wife at the strip club. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, we all know where that 150 bucks would go. It would be gone in three hours. <laughs> kind of like the clothing allowance that just mysteriously disappears every time it comes in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is interesting that right as Magister Campbell is addressing this issue, this comes up. There does seem to be a little bit of a shift in thinking. And I can't help but notice, even though I was just ragging on officers who turned politician, person who presented this bill is a former veteran himself. So maybe there is something good happening in the halls of Congress. Raul, I do want to ask you, uh, you did a year in Korea, right? Yeah. What extra pay did you receive? I know, I know you got overseas duty pay. Did you get like, uh, you got hazardous pay as well? So yeah. that comes out to, and I'm just guessing because the time period, I'm, that comes out to what, an extra $400 a month that you were getting there? It was a few, I think it was a few, couple hundred bucks maybe. I'm not quite okay. sure on that one, but a couple hundred, I believe. Okay, so it's actually less than the stipend. So mm-hmm. well, maybe the stipend is actually a, a decent thing. But I think we all agree it's really, at the end of the day, it's a drop in the bucket. It's a hot dog and a handshake. They could do far more better. than they're doing, especially with the trillions that we're wasting on bullshit like missing Jeff. All right, guys, let's take a quick break. Stay tuned right here <laughs> on the official Infernal Legion podcast. Welcome to the Metro. Your host, Reverend Jeff Ivins, brings you a weekly time trip back to the 1980s with songs from the Decade of Decadence, only on Radio Free Satan. Hail Satan. In 1966, Anton LaVey created the Church of Satan, marking the beginning of the Age of Fire and Year One Anno Satanus. In 1969, he published The Satanic Bible, codifying Satanism as a religion, the first time it's been done in human history. In the name of Satan, ruler of the earth, king of hell, come forth from the pit, bestow the blessings of hell upon us. For we are your children, and we invoke thee this night. In 2001, I was appointed High Priest of the Church of Satan. In 2007, I published the Satanic Scriptures, further defining and expanding on Satanic philosophy and greater magic ritual. Hail Satan, full of might! Our allegiance is with thee! Cursed are they! The God adorers! And cursed are the worshippers of the Nazarene eunuch. For the past 50 years, the Church of Satan has stood as the sole organization to define and defend Satanism as a religion. And though pretenders to the infernal throne have come and gone, we have stood the test of time and will into the future. Visit churchofsatan.com for more information and read the Satanic Bible and the Satanic Scriptures. Knowledge is the solution for ignorance. Hail Satan! Hail Satan! Welcome back to the official Infernal Legion podcast right here on Radio Free Satan. All right, gents, it's a story that everyone's been waiting for. I just want to start this off by reiterating that the Infernal Legion is proudly affiliated with the Church of Satan and has been from our inception. Many of our members and officers are spokespeople for the Church of Satan, though we're not going to be doing that here. Many of us are active members in the Church of Satan. We all feel very strongly about satanic philosophy. And so I want to point out that what happened with this Baphomet statue has nothing to do with Satanism, the Church of Satan, the Infernal Legion, or Radio Free Satan. It's a ridiculous publicity stunt put on by a group of cosplayers pretending to be Satanists so they can get Christians' goads, and that's exactly what happened. The Satanic Temple, and I hate even saying their name on our show because it just gives them the publicity they're looking for, 
are not Satanists. In fact, you can go to their tax records and see they are officially designated a Christian organization. You can find all of the information you want to find out about them on churchofsatan.com or listen to Magister Bill M's Satan Splain podcast where he goes in depth with some of this stuff as well. But we do have to talk about the incident, one, because many, many people have been asking us their opinions on it, and two, because one of the individuals involved is a veteran. So let's get into it. What happened? The TST decided to put up a Baphomet holiday display in the Iowa State Capitol this year. As you would expect, Christians got pretty upset about there being a Baphomet nativity or whatever. And one Christian in particular, Michael Cassidy, took it upon himself to go into the state capitol and wrestle with the statue, topple it over, cut its head off, throw its head in the trash. And now, of course, the Satanic Temple is claiming that they are the victims of a hate crime. They've actually used that exact language, that they are victims of a hate crime. They got exactly what they wanted and exactly what they should have expected when they put this stupid-ass display up. Satanism is not about proselytizing, and Satanism fully respects and embraces the idea of separation of church and state. We would no more want a Baphomet statue up in a state capitol than we would the Ten Commandments or uh, an atheist bench. I think they did down in Florida there. The American atheists did that a while back or any other religion represented on government property. That's not the place for it. Now, this guy that did it, Michael Cassidy, is a United States Navy pilot. He spent five years training naval aviators on the T-45 Goshawk, a small jet that is used by the U.S. Navy to practice carrier landings. He currently works as a T-45 maintenance test pilot and remains a, uh, with the, as a civilian and remains a pilot with the Navy Reserves. Cassidy has described himself as a Christian conservative who loves our nation and is committed to pre- preserving the blessings of liberty bestowed upon us by the founding generations. After the incident, Cassidy posted on X, quote, 1 Peter 5-8, through 8, King James Version. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now, what I want to say about this guy, as I said earlier, I'm not on TST's side in this thing. I think they're they're fucking idiots. And uh, they've been doing nothing but breathing new life into the satanic panic that we all remember so well from the 80s and 90s. But I do find it very concerning that an officer in the United States Navy is trashing religious displays and presenting himself in this manner. And the reason I say that is because As a service member, he took the same oath that we all took, and that is to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. And the Constitution is pretty clear about freedom of religion, where it stands on that. And being that he is a pilot, that means he is an officer. That means he has sailors working under him every day. And some of those sailors may very well be legionnaires. And, of course, he's also using this to spin off into a political career. He's already failed once at getting elected, and he's going to try again. Mark my words now that he's a hero of the Christians. So that's the overview. Have at it, gentlemen. What do we think? First of all, fuck the TST. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, that motherfucker is not a part of my Navy. You know, and if he's still a reservist and you're correct as an officer, I mean, that's 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 conduct unbecoming. I you know, so. he, you know, yeah, I mean, he he should have been brought up on charges for this shit. And that's not supporting the TST whatsoever because they're both fucking idiots in this argument. Yeah, I don't I don't care about him defacing the statue. I can give a fuck less about that. It's it's what he says. After the fact, yes, that that makes me think that his sailors are, I don't know, maybe not living their best lives. <laughs> no, I, I mean that that's pretty much the sum of it. Because uh, as we discussed earlier, I don't want to give a whole lot of airtime to the fucking TST because they're a bunch of fucking crybaby bullshit. It, it's a Christian organization, like you said. They're a bunch of a hot topic wannabe fucking Satanists who you know can't conform to a simple philosophy and, you know, they want to let everybody in. They have everything across the board, pretty much everything that doesn't fit into any other religion. I mean, I've, I've seen, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Viking Satanists. I'm like, what, what oh. in the actual fuck? They even, were even I shit you not over on Reddit, there were even Christians who say that they don't consider themselves Satanists, but they joined the TST because they support their political message. 
So they're literally letting Christians into their Christian organization. Well, they are somehow they're Satanists. They they are a Christian organization. I mean, you got to the last point I was getting to. They are nothing but a political statement, and that's all that they've been trying to do since they've came about is, you know, get headlines, make political statements, try and get these stupid statues out there, try and, you know, uh, argue with all the rest of the statues. And and you're right. All they're trying to do is fuel, you know, the the shit that came about in the 80s Mm. and try to spark it all back up. And as far as the officer involved with it, like I said, you know, that's conduct on becoming an officer, in my opinion, with all of his bullshit. But you're right. He's going to use it as a, a launch pad to try and go back into his politics. Cause, you know, he's going to be like, OK, I'm the Christian conservative who fought for you. Right. Exactly. That's yeah. He's he's setting himself up as a hero. And this is how this is going to play out. At the end of the day, um, I think whatever chapter, quote unquote, of TST is in Iowa has already set up a new display. So that's not affected, really. This made national headlines. So Cassidy is getting all of this attention. And like you said, he looks like a hero to the Christians. And TST is getting hundreds of thousands of dollars in donations, I'm sure. Kevin Soling and Doug Masico are going to sleep very well tonight on their pile of money. And in the meantime, the only people who are actually affected by this in any way, shape, or form are actual Satanists. Yeah, because we get the negative publicity for a fucking stupid organization. Because now we have presidential candidate and governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, saying that Satanism should be illegal. Satanism would not be condoned or supported by the founding fathers. Mind you, the same founding fathers who were up to some pretty satanic shit themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Let's take a look at the whole Freemasons organization. Oh, wait, never mind. (laughs) Benjamin Franklin and the Hellfire Club, anyone? (laughs) Yeah, there we go. (laughs) They're going to benefit. Cassidy is is probably going to get elected to some some small office, maybe not even like a national representative, but he'll probably be a mayor of a town or some. It's um, Iowa. He'll move high. <laughs> right. The heads of TST, Kevin Soling and Doug Masico, they're going to get rich off of this. Nothing's going to change. There's not going to be any legislation that comes out of this saying that religious displays on on grounds are going to be covered under hate crime laws because the Satanists got their feelings hurt. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. All they're doing is pissing in the pool and getting rich off of it. Meanwhile, we have to sit here and give them fucking publicity because this fuck up of an officer can't keep his goddamn hands to himself. Like you said, we wouldn't have even got any airtime if it wasn't for <clears throat> if it wasn't for having a vet in there. Yep. Eventually, people are going to approach us. And if you guys have already been approached, <clears throat> hey, Raul, I like what your people are doing. <laughs> and then I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? That it's happens like to me all the goddamn time. time. Yeah. I've gotten it so many times. It happens to me all yes. the fucking time. Yeah. You know, I, I like what you guys are doing over there with that monument. And I'm like, that's not <laughs> – where do I begin? How, how do we begin right. this? <laughs> well, I, I generally us. tell them, like, I don't know what you're talking about. That's that's a political activist group that's masquerading as Satanists. If you want to learn about Satanism, go visit churchofsatan.com. Do you guys give them the whole, hey, that's not real Satanism. I am real Satanism. Let me show you what real Satanism is, or do you just direct them to something? I direct them. You know, it's not our place to to, to teach and to guide. Right. Yeah, I'm not, like, I'm if not you spoon want to learn about it, right? If I'm doing an interview with someone, I'll, I'll gladly explain our philosophy. But some random, as as the doctor once famously said to uh, the Night Stalker, I don't do business in the streets. Oh, I like that. If they, I, I will absolutely tell someone like that's not Satanism. If you want to learn about Satanism, there's Barnes and Noble. Go buy the Satanic Bible or go visit churchofsatan.com. But, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to spend my time educating someone who probably doesn't care anyway. If they think that what TST is doing is in any way a good thing, then they're not paying attention, Satanist or otherwise. So it's really not worth my fucking time to engage beyond a defending the reputation of the Church of Satan. Unfortunately, most of the people that approach me, if they see me wearing my bath mat or something like that, are TST followers or members. And I don't want to have anything to do with the dumbasses. I'm like, you know, go to Hot Topic, go do your fun thing, and leave me the fuck out of it. Hot Topic Satanists. (laughs) That's all they are. The Hot Topic of the day. Right. (laughs) Like I said, my, my major concern here is not, so much TST. Like I obviously have, we all have issues with TST. My major concern in this is, is Michael Cassidy. And again, it's not even that he defaced the statue. I don't care about that. It's that he is a naval officer 
who has sailors working under him. He's obviously he's tried once and failed. He's going to try again with this new publicity to become a politician in which he will be in a position to make or enforce laws. And he has these Christian fascist uh, ideas that guide his uh, everyday life. I like, you know, that the founding fathers uh, weren't for freedom of religion, that Satanism should be illegal. That's where we're really getting back into satanic panic territory. And the fact that a sitting governor who's running for president has already said that, and that all the talking heads in that theistic side of the aisle are saying that, that's dangerous. It's dangerous territory to walk into. Well, I don't think that they would ever be able to legitimately outlaw a philosophy. No, certainly. I don't think so either. But they can still make life very difficult. They definitely can. I mean, first of all, if they were to try and attack it, they would come at it as the the theistic, Satanistic, you know, we worship the devil kind of bullshit, all that. And in doing so, they would be cutting out Christianity because that's where Satan, you know, they're the real little devil that anybody who believes in those deities and shit, that's where it all exists. Whereas anybody with half a brain knows that, you know, true members of the Church of Satan, it's a philosophy, and we're all atheists. We don't worship any devils. We don't do any of the stupid bullshit that you see TST pulling off, but that's enough talking about them. Uh, <laughs> back to what you're talking about with the with the officer in question here, it's like you said, he's still a reservist. He is still a member of my Navy, and his just defacing a public display, no matter what it is, that, you know, that is destructive behavior. The bullshit he's coming out with, it's conduct unbecoming, and the fucking Navy needs to take a look at this. I agree. I, I think that the Navy should launch an investigation into him and possibly consider, depending on what they find, especially what the morale in his unit is like. And, and mind you, it may be very high. All of his sailors may agree with him. But next year, the year after that, he's going to get a new sailor who maybe is a member of the Infernal Legion. And yep. that person's, I mean... Satanists know how to protect ourselves. We're not martyrs. We'll tuck the bathman if we need to. But it it sucks when you're in an environment like the military and the military's entire job is to, like I said earlier, support and defend the Constitution of the United States. And freedom of religion is the very first thing mentioned in the Bill of Rights. And your commanding officer is this guy. Yep. They're trying to tell you you cannot have that freedom. Of religion. They want freedom of religion as long as it's their religion. Oh, you know, and it's. You know, I, where I live is a very, very Christian uh, and, and uh, Greek Catholic and uh, Roman Catholic area on the west side of Cincinnati. And I, I will be driving through town or something. You see all these protect uh, the fight or protect religion. Uh, Keep Christ and uh, Christmas. Yeah, you know, all this <laughs> bullshit. You know, they're, you know, and all the crap about religion is under attack. And all. No, it. Christianity, none of these dumbass religions are under attack. You know, if, if they're threatened by the TST, then they're fucking morons because it's a group of fucking retards who are trying to make a political statement. You know, the only religions that are under attack are, you know, the Muslims, uh, ours, you know, and, and a handful of other ones around this country because they want everything now to be the conservative Christian bullshit. Well, they always have. This is just an opening for them to get back to that. You know, I, I think that's really because that's the if you if you talk to any Satanist, you know, a member of the Church of Satan, someone who's read the Satanic Bible and seen themselves reflected in its pages, mo- almost above, across the board, we're going to tell you the same thing. We don't give a fuck about Christians. If they want to if they want to get on their knees and, and fight their fucking Messiah uh, every week, uh, have at it. I, you know, I, I truly wish them a wonderful life. I know I'm living my best life. So may they find their peace. That's something they um, do on their knees. And, and we represent their legitimate uh, adversary because as some as a handful of Christian spokespeople have said, and quite accurately, Satanism is worship of the self. That's their main issue with Satanism is that it's the worship of the self. And that's 100% correct. That handful of guys who say that, they get that. They understand, hey – we're your adversary because we represent mankind worshiping himself for the inventor of all gods. This episode is brought to you by Underworld Amusements. Since 2007, Underworld Amusements has been creating, producing, publishing, and distributing curious sundries and callous broadsides. 
From the Satanic Scriptures by Magus Peter H. Gilmore, to Might is Right, the authoritative edition by Ragnar Redbeard, Underworld Amusements is your source for the most dangerous books ever written. Visit UnderworldAmusements.com for more information. I have real concerns about this Cassidy fellow. The way to handle those concerns is if you are a sailor under his command, report it up the chain, go higher than him, everybody has a boss. If you're a veteran and this is something that interests you, you can go and you can bother. I don't know what the Navy calls it in the Army. We call it the Inspector General. You can go talk to the Navy's version of that. That's how you fight this kind of thing. Not by putting up dumbass displays in a state capital that only helps to fill the pool with more and more piss. That's the best way to do it. I mean, it's just continuously dirtying up the pool with yeah. everybody else. All right, gentlemen. That's the last show. The last show for 2023, for year 58, Anno Satanas. Thank you guys for joining me so much. For everyone who's listening, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you again in year 59. And until next time, hail Satan. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. There is a new Veteran Crisis Hotline number. If you or a veteran you know are experiencing a crisis, please dial 988 and press 1. Once again, that is 988 and press 1 when prompted.